Good morning, friends. Can you hear me okay? Last week, I, I chose the microphone that was clearly marked, do not use. So if you didn't hear me, that, that was what was going on, user error. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, here we are, 25 chapters into Matthew's 28-chapter gospel. And Jesus begins his story, the last parable recorded in the gospel, with the word, again. You would expect an inconclusion. There is not a lot of time left. Again communicates that the people haven't heard him, haven't fully or even partially understood the message he's been trying to teach them all these long, hot, dry days they've been plodding their way steadily toward Jerusalem and toward his cross. How many times do I have to tell you we've often heard ourselves saying to our children, we may have asked ourselves the same question, how many times before I get it? The word again also communicates that whatever message or activity preceded it is worth repeating, is important, perhaps even necessary. What is this message so important to Jesus that he would speak of it over and over again in so many different ways, even up to the end of his earthly life? Any ideas? Short little, short little phrase. A message about the kingdom of heaven. Halfway through Matthew's gospel, we start hearing parable after parable about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, the smallest seed that grows into a big, glorious tree. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure or a pearl of great value that we must go in search of. The kingdom of heaven is like a net cast out to gather up as many as possible. But by the time we reach the final chapters of Matthew, there aren't just these few descriptions of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus speaks almost exclusively about it. And it contrasts the, the me-first, elitist thinking that we often see in our world. What is the kingdom of heaven? Well, the last will be first. The first will be last. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. All will be invited in, quote, the good and the bad. But seemingly contradictorily, only those who keep watch and are prepared, as Sarah talked about last week, will have access. You know, why would today's parable be any different again? Jesus begins, it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man, a landowner, going on a journey who called his slaves 
That's the most accurate translation of the original text. And entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five talents, sometimes translated five bags of coins. To another, two bags. And to one, one bag, each according to his ability. Perhaps you've heard people, perhaps you've heard yourself, oh, what can I do? What do I have to give? So-and-so has so much more to offer. But this is not a message about how much. This is a message about how we manage what we have, our good stewardship. Here we are, perhaps not coincidentally, in the middle of our stewardship campaign with a message about money, Money. I know of no other topic along with politics, sex, religion that gets us so uncomfortable, anxious, impassioned. Perhaps you were taught not to speak of these in polite company. People are more openly addressing them, and for that I am glad. Although, Sometimes a little too openly, you've seen people address them and you wish them just, ah, just a little bit. Just hold it back a little. Perhaps we can imagine ourselves as one of these receiving our bags of coins or bag, as may be the case. Does your pride ever get the better of you as it does me? And you ask yourself, well, how many coins would I have been given? How many would I have merited? Would I have gotten more than that one? Now, the landowner, as far as we know, has made no mention of investing. And yet, the first two go at once and invest their talents, their money. Five bags become ten. Two bags become four. But the man who had received one bag went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid it. I was afraid. I was afraid. You know, before we judge him as the landowner did, let us just pause for a moment and consider why he may have hid what little he had. Let us consider the fear of losing what little was given to him in the first place, how terrifying it would be not to have enough. Imagine how today's parable might read to indigenous peoples. Who might the landowner be? Who might the slaves be? November is Native American Heritage Month, established by the U.S. government in 1990 to celebrate indigenous peoples, history, culture. Setting aside a month to celebrate, to recognize, and to honor is important, but it can't erase centuries and centuries of abuse. We don't talk about, not really, not so much, the abuse that indigenous people suffered at the hands of European colonizers 
and the U.S. government. Now, millions of indigenous peoples died, either by disease introduced by Europeans or by war. How many millions of Native Americans were forced off their lands because their lands were appropriated by the U.S. government? And how many justifications for this through ideologies or romantic notions or slogans manifest destiny? Ah, the indigenous noble savage. Go west, young man. I was afraid, the third slave says. Well, not without reason. He had nothing of his own, no land, no status, no privilege. He is a slave wholly dependent on another for his very existence, another whom he describes as a hard man. Well, the landowner comes home and he lives up to his reputation. Did any of you cringe when you heard Sarah reading the scripture, you wicked and lazy servant? You should have put the money with the bankers, at least earned a little interest, maybe invested in a CD if you weren't gonna go all out, so that when I returned, I would have received it back even with a little interest. And the landowner takes what paltry amount this slave has been allotted and he gives it to the servant who has invested and amassed the greatest wealth. The landowner says, whoever has will be given more and whoever doesn't have, even that will be taken away from them. And the landowner throws out this, quote, worthless slave into the darkness where there will be gnashing of teeth. What? And this is the kingdom of heaven, which we have been taught is a place where the, the last will be first and the first will be last and the humble will be exalted and the exalted humble where all will be invited in, the good and the bad. Friends, I am not thrilled with this parable. And I hope it raises a lot of questions for you too. But if we seek to know the scriptures, then we have to examine the challenging parts as well as to look for the good news. We have to talk about them, which is hard. It's easier to be polite, don't you think? One of my homiletics professor the Reverend Dr. Zan Holmes used to ask us students when we were examining a biblical text, what is the challenge of the story? And what is the good news? The one without the other is incomplete. Here I have been examining the challenges and I'm feeling pretty low about things at the moment. But if I jump to the straight good news and I'm just like, oh, all are invited in, all have a chance. That seems a little hollow, doesn't it? A little bit of cheap grace. Only the two working together in concert have the power to transform. And so having examined the challenges, I ask us, what is the good news? Let's take a couple moments. Ask yourself, what is the good news? We come to church to hear the good news, not to be laid low. 
Well, a few thoughts. I go back to those middle chapters of Matthew in, in which we hear the foundational teachings about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is first and foremost about mercy and justice. The first, get humbled. The humble finally get a chance to be exalted. Those who haven't gotten a fair shake in this world are lifted up. The kingdom of heaven is about humility, perseverance, generosity, equity, fairness. All are invited, the good and the bad. Does that last part make you a little uncomfortable? The bad get invited. The kingdom of heaven is about equity, which is different than equality. Each slave was given talents according to his ability. All were not given the same amount, not because one was better than, not because one merited more. They were given what they could manage. I remember at dinner some time back, Tessa exclaiming it wasn't fair that her older brother got more fish sticks than she. Why fish sticks was the, the source of such impassioned speech, I don't know, but of course it had nothing to do with fish sticks. For her, fairness means equality, not equity. Equity is having what each person needs. Tessa does not need 10 fish sticks. Her older brother needs 10 fish sticks. Need is a relative word, right? No one needs fish sticks. Needs more food. The landowner praises the first two servants equally because they have invested what they have been given. He doesn't give a flip that the one has made two and a half times more than the other had the third invested that one talent, making only a fifth of what the first had made. You know that landowner would have praised him lavishly. Come, come, take your full Share. They all get a full share in the joy. I pray that these have given you some food for thought, that you go from this place asking yourself what challenges you face, what ways the scripture instructs you, and what the good news is and how you can share it. I'll conclude today where I began with this simple word of good news. Again, our God is the God of second chances, of forgiving over and again, but of expecting repentance and atonement and mercy and justice. Again and again, amen and amen. Amen.